Welcome to the Fit Aviators Club podcast, where aviation, fitness, and mindset meet to improve the balance of your health and quality of life in aviation. This is your host, Fernando Contreras, and let's get to it. I hate doing abs. I'm just kidding. I actually really enjoy doing abs, but that is a common phrase that I hear from a lot of people that I work, often work out with or that I train. And in reality, abs serve a true purpose other than just their looks. Yes, they look amazing, but really that's just the physical results of the greatness that you're doing for your body for within. So, you know, I've had a six pack since I was 12 and I haven't actually reached the full strength capability of my abs. And what I want to talk to you about today is the importance of it, the true purpose of having a strong core, some exercises that you can do to implement in your program. And also we're going to talk about the core muscles and how you're going to be able to target each one of these to get the best out of your core and have a great, great stability of your spine. So before we get into all the great stuff about, you know, why it is important to have a strong core, I kind of want to go and give you a little bit of a background in terms of how and why things work in our body, especially with muscles. And we have certain muscle actions that are broken down into three. We have isotonic, isometric, and isokinetic. When we work out our abs, when we work out our core, we're actually, we can implement all three of these muscle actions. Isotonic is when you extend and contract a muscle. You could add a pause in there if you'd like, but that is what's called isometric. Now you can have you could do isometric exercises that you just have a pause and that's it. You're not really contracting or extending through a bunch of repetitions. You're just holding a specific um, exercise. And you also, and then you have isokinetic, which you actually use machines. And there's this strength that, that comes along with a certain extension and contraction. And you're actually building strength through that whole full range of motion, which is a little different than just picking up weight and exercising it um, as you normally would. A lot of these isokinetic movements are through uh, Pilates, where they have those those machines that can create this sort of range of motion and this strength in that. So core, this actually, you know, implementing all three, mainly the first two, isotonic and isometric, which is what you typically get to do without any special machine, you get a core stability, you get to do core endurance. And the main part about core stability and core endurance is that you stabilize your spine. And, and by stabilizing your spine, you're able to create efficient movement on your extremities. So your legs, arms, you know, everything that you're going to use on a daily basis, especially if you go specifically for sports, then you, uh, probably want to be able to have a strong core mainly because of this. Your core endurance is how long can you have that control? How long can you maintain that control, that stability of your spine? And that's when we train for some sort of endurance. Again, by using isotonic or isometric or isokinetic uh, forms of exercising. Obviously, then you have your core strength and your core power. Core strength is your ability to not only be stable, but to also be able to move your core in all different directions and be strong in all different directions, 
We have three different directions in which we move in, which is our sagittal plane, the first one, where we move forward and back. We have our lateral, where we go side to side, and then we have our rotational. If our core is weak in one of those areas, it's gonna have it's gonna have to work a little bit harder in order for it to move efficiently in that in that movement that you're gonna do. So if you always work out your abs, right? You're always doing crunches, forward and back, forward and back, and that's what you're doing. You're working mostly on the sagittal plane. When you go do a movement that's rotational, you may not have that proper strength, that proper stability, that proper endurance in that in that movement. So your your likelihood to potentially get an injury is a lot higher than if you were to work out in all different planes. Uh, your core so that you can be able to move, have that strength in all directions. And then finally, your power. Core power is just mainly being able to execute a lot of force in explosive motion with your core abdomen. This is mostly for athletic training. Uh, but, you know, I impl- even though I my lifestyle is a little bit not as athletically as I used to be, what I mean by that is that, you know, I ate, slept, breathe baseball when I was trying to make it pro. But now I can't really do all that because I'm flying half of the time. And I'm flying half of the time, I don't really get to do anything. But I still like to incorporate some of that power core exercises because it is a different engagement of your big muscles of your core. And I think they it brings a good dynamic to the training that you maybe used to be doing. So if you're always doing... I don't know, just crunches, and then for the sides, you're doing side planks, and then maybe you could be doing like some lower back stuff, right? And you don't really do power. Your body kind of gets used to that. You, you, you create great stability, but you also may want to challenge your body to that stability, how much power, how much force can you produce with that? So I think it's pretty cool. You don't have to have to apply it, but I totally, totally recommend that that you would. And, and I'll go over some of those exercises uh, later at the end to specify which ones are power and strength and stability. So next, we also have what's called our range of motion. Our range of motion is comprised of elasticity and flexibility. So elasticity is pretty much your the, the muscle's ability to come back to rest after it's been extended. And then flexibility is just the, the, the muscle's ability to be able to con- like stretch and hold that um, for for a, a longer period of time. So you actually are able to get more of a lengthening of that muscle. So your range of motion is critical when you are doing exercises because your range of motion, your, your muscles have what's called a length tension relationship. A length tension relationship means there's a amount of length for an amount of tension in where your muscle gets to be neutral. And that's the optimal placement. When a muscle is neutral, it it allows the joints to be in a neutral position as well. So there's no asymmetry. There's no pulling or pushing from one or the other. However, when there is overactivity or underactivity, there is shortening of the muscle, so contraction when there's overactivity, and then lengthening or loosening up of the muscle when there's underactivity, and that activity that I'm talking about is the the nervous system signals that are being sent from your nervous system to your muscular system and kind of telling you what to do. So if that length tension relationship is kind of off, you're going to have a little bit of a muscular imbalance, and now you don't get to 
use your range of motion at its fullest potential. One, because you lose energy when it, when your muscles are too extended. And if your muscles are already contracted, you lose that kind of, you can only contract so much if it's already contracted, right? So that's why it's so important to be able to have this range of motion, which you get through the appropriate like flexibility, through stretching, and also weight training as well to, to be to balance both of those and increase your range of motion. It takes a lot of discipline to be able to be at that, but it also allows you to be pain-free and less risk of injury. Now, uh, you know, I, I'd often get asked, is it possible for you to be in optimal length tension relationship all the time? And with nowadays with, you know, there's a lot of sitting that we do, and I'm talking this for specifically crew members. We sit a lot. So we have to really battle a lot to take away from that overactivity of our hip flexors and kind of trying to bring our pelvis and bring everything back to a neutral position by really working on the anterior part of our body, glutes, hamstrings, you know, our lower back, and also make sure our core is, is stable. But the, the, the answer is no most of the time, we're probably not going to be at the most optimal length tension relationship. So what we try to do is try to be as close as we can. So we minimize the risk of injury. We minimize the risk of these little pains that we have, you know, that can make a, a time a little bit more, uh, not, not as enjoyable, right? Sitting down for a long period of time is already kind of like, I don't know. It's, it's, I'd rather not be, I'd rather be moving, walking, doing something. Uh, but if you have a little tweak and you're in a little bit of pain and you're sitting down and it's been a long day and you're going through a storm or around a storm and there's turbulence, if you are pain-free, that's one less thing that will bother you. One less thing that will make you feel better. And, you know, I think all of that takes into consideration on how great we can perform on our flight duties. I'm not saying that because you have a tweak, your flight duties, you're not going to perform them that well, but it is nice to not have that little pain. That's all I'm trying to say. Um, so along with, with this range of motion and this length tension relationship, we have to understand that these muscles move these joints and whether their, their tension is at a certain, you know, placement, we're going to have some sort of asymmetry and we're trying to be symmetrical all the time. So the, there's muscle movers and these muscle movers are basically muscles on each side of the joint and then muscles that help support it and muscles that create stability. So we have big muscles that when they are activated, their job is to contract. The opposite muscle on the other side of the joint is, uh, uh, it's called reciprocal inhibition. So you, you, the, the one side contracts and the other side lengthens, right? So that this joint can is able to move. It's almost kind of like an airplane on how you move a control surface, right? So, Along with these two muscles, you have stabilization muscles that allow these muscles to not move so much out of their place while you're doing a movement. And then you have the, the synergist muscles that help these other big muscles in that force production, right? So those the, all those muscles are everywhere in our body, but we're obviously talking specifically about the core today. And these muscles are all around in the front, on the sides, on the back, even in the hips, okay, even in your diaphragm. So the, the, those muscles all play a part in the stability of our spine. The actual 
stability between our upper body and our lower body is the true purpose of why your core is there. That is a true purpose of why having a strong core is beneficial. Yes, if you do these exercises, you will get, sometimes you'll get a good looking stomach, but that's not, that's not the reason why. I know plenty of people that their six packs doesn't show, but their core is extremely strong and they can do incredible things. So not looking at abs as a physical thing, more of like, what's it doing internally for my body? Is it protecting me? Is it allowing me to move efficiently and move freely? Can I get the best out of my 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 legs and hands because my core is stable and protected and protecting my spine? These are the reasons why it's so important. And when I tell people that, their whole mindset changes on they no longer hate doing abs, okay? There's there's a point in your exercise, in your workout, where it's probably better to do abs because most of the time people like to leave it at the end, right? We know we it, There's nothing wrong with that. A lot of people like to have their finisher as a ab routine, which is fine. But if you know that you don't do it because you do it at the end and you don't really want to push through a whole ab routine at the, as a finisher of your workout, then you should probably not leave it for the end because you're always going to end up hating it at that time. So if you shift or you move that routine into a different part of your workout, it could be during the middle, it could be as a superset of something, it could be in the beginning, uh, you may have a different mindset. You may have a different perspective on, hey, I no longer hate doing this and it's actually beneficial for me more than just doing sitting here and doing crunches because a lot of the times people just sit there and do, or do crunches and they think they're going to get a six pack out of crunches and it doesn't really work that way i mean you could you really really could get that but you you have to dedicate a lot of time for that and so if you end up hating that process you're going to end up not doing it right so we want to mainly focus on that that there is different parts of your core, different areas that we want to target, different planes of motion that we want to target, and that's going to create benefits for us that go beyond just having a six-pack, right? So when you when you do a certain exercise, there's, you know, force and the, the magnitude and the duration in, 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 in the direction in which you take that movement. And, and, you know, that goes along with force coupling, which is when multiple muscles work together to be able to produce efficiency in movement. So what I mean by that is when you do a squat, I'm going to give you an example. When you do a squat, primarily this, this is a full body, almost a full body movement that requires strength that is going to develop strength, uh, in pretty much all of it. Well, we know that mainly it targets legs, but if our core was a little weak, our legs and our upper body have to do whatever is necessary to protect the spine so that when we squat down and squat back up, we don't hurt ourselves, right? And sometimes we see, or at least I see people squatting wrong like a lot of the time. It's very rare that I see somebody squatting properly and this is it's the 
it, sometimes they might be due to having too much weight on the bar, you know, when you're squatting, but the majority of the time why people's squat is sometimes wrong, aside from muscular imbalances and, you know, different things that might affect is the fact that their core is not engaged or that their core is not strong enough to be able to stabilize their spine. So they, their body needs to find somewhere else to be able to like compensate for that and get the weight up. Right. Which not my style of, you know, if you're going to push through, I'd rather push through a perfect move or close to perfect movement rather than so much weight. Again, that's just me. But if I'm training somebody towards that, they want to get to a higher weight. I won't let them go higher until they get that great form established. And a lot of the times it is that core. It is that core activation that gets left behind. And when it's not conscious, when you don't think about it, it's very easy to just kind of relax your core because you're, you're just getting ready. You're bracing. You're getting ready to just try to lift all this weight with your legs. And it, you kind of just forget about your core, right? So that's what I mean by force coupling. All these muscles are working together to be able to execute a movement, right? Um, and, and our core muscles go from our abdominals, our hips, our glutes, and our lower backs, and our lower back. And within those areas of our abs, we have what's called global muscles and local muscles. Global muscles are the big muscles around. They're, they're more superficial, right? They're the ones that you could probably touch and see, um, you know, if somebody has a six pack or whatever, but those muscles can produce a lot of force. Those muscles can produce uh, stability as well, but not as much as your local muscles because these local muscles are, are smaller. They're often connected to your vertebrae where, where they help create a lot of that stability. So I've had a six pack since I was 12. And that is because, yeah, I did core. I did crunches. This is going to be crazy, but I did crunches before I went to school and after and also coupled with the crunches, I would run two miles. So, you know, I was in middle school when that was happening. Why I started doing this in middle school, uh, that's a long story. But I I love athleticism. I, have, I was very hooked on being an athlete since I was a little kid. And I knew that this is the kind of discipline that it took if you wanted to take things to the next level, especially in sports. So I had a strong six-pack but I actually had a dysfunction in my local muscles because I never did an ex I never really did exercises that would focus on those smaller muscles. And I actually, in, uh, I think it was my, yeah, my junior year of college, I ended up getting a hernia, inguinal hernia. And the doctor told me it's because, Hey, your abdomen is a little weak. And I was like, dude, like I was like, you, you don't think this, this is doesn't look strong to you. And he was like, yeah, you can have that. But if you're, muscles that are very deep within that connect to your vertebrae are not strong, you're going to have a dysfunction. You can have a great looking six pack, but those local muscles are not strong. That's when I was like, oh, damn, this, this, what's the whole point of just having just the looks? I, I want to work on these muscles that will allow me to have more stability in my spine. And so when I learned about that, I really started incorporating more of those workouts that target the local muscles. So to go over some of these workouts, uh, we first need to know 
or you should first find out where would you like to incorporate some of these workouts. You know, if if uh, if you're not struggling with hating to do abs and you've found a pretty good routine for you of when to do them, there is a plethora of ways to involve or incorporate abs, uh, sorry, core within your, in your, your, your workout routine. And a lot of the times we tend to put these sometimes in the wrong place and we end up not liking it. And if we put it in the right place, we end up loving it. There are so many ways, like for example, you can implement it at the beginning of your, of your workout as an activation. That's what I do. I love doing that one because I know I'm activating my core and with that core activation, I get proper stability. I know I'm setting myself up for stability on my workout, on my resistance, what I go do, and it gets it done. So there's three reasons why I love implementing it in the beginning of the workout. Uh, sometimes before I used to do it at the end of the workout, as like a finisher. Yeah, that was cool, but I kind of uh, like it better in the beginning because I can have more stability throughout my workout. So I started kind of getting bored of doing it at the end of the workouts. And then, you know, I go in phases. Sometimes I like doing it at the end. Sometimes I do it in the beginning, but to the importance of that, I give it that, that I know it helps me throughout the rest of my workout that I keep mentioning that stability is the key because you are going to, you're going to get a whole lot stronger. You're going to get a whole lot better because your abs are stable. You creating that stability in your spine. And now your body is now less, uh, I would say, scared to, to producing that much force on a weight. Even if you don't go heavy, even a simple movement, right? Training is about movement efficiency and increasing the strength in that movement. That's my take on training. And, and it, you know, it's not my only one. This is that, That's just how I see it. And the benefits of just having that stability on all your training after you do it in the beginning outweighs every other one. Now, sometimes I do implement it as a superset, like I mentioned before. So let's say I'm doing, uh, I could be doing quarter mile runs on the treadmill and then, or half mile runs. And then every half mile I'll get off. I'll probably do a plank, hold that for a minute or two, go back run another half mile, switch the plank, go to the side. Maybe do a hip bridge because we part of your core is also targeting your lower back, right? Your your glutes, pelvis, lower back, all that stuff is connected. Actually, your lats are could be considered part of your core because they do connect to your glute to your glute on the opposite side, so contralaterally, uh, through through your through your lumbar area. So that plays that plays part too. If your if your lats are weak and you have a very strong, good, stable hip you're going to have a little bit of imbalance. Same thing if your lats are if your lats are too they're too um too developed and your your hips are not, then you're going to get pulling from your lats, right? Your hips going to kind of want to go like this. So, going back to where to implement it, it's really it's really all up to you. My suggestion and what I recommend to almost everybody is to do it in the beginning as part of your activation warm up. Aside from developing this uh this activation doing it in the beginning of your workouts. If you have a day that you're not going to exercise at the gym and, and lift, lift some sort of weight, you're actually going to stay at home, maybe do a little bit of stretching or maybe do a little bit of a run. It's actually very beneficial too. If you're on a time crunch, especially at a layover that you 
get in a core workout in. Why? Well, one, it's going to help you with that stability. But two, when you're getting when you're going to go fly and you've had a great exercise routine for your core, you're going to feel a lot more stable in a lot better posture while you sit for that flight. Whether it's a 30-minute flight and you got five of those in one day or you got to have a six-hour flight and you got one of those in a day. It's going to make you, it's going to give you that sense of feeling better. And I think that that plays a huge role on, like I mentioned before, your mood, your in, 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 the, in the environment that you create with having less pain, right? So that is, that is actually a great, great workout. And I often use it as being able to do something while I'm at the layover, not exhaust too much energy, and kind of just stabilize and develop muscles that will give me good posture while I sit. Because that's primarily what we do in our profession. Aside from all the other things that we have to do, we're doing it while we sit, right? So it, it, it's very important. And as I mentioned before, we want to work out, we want to exercise these core muscles in the different directions. We have sagittal, lateral, and rotational. So what you could do is you could create some sort of split with these core, whether you implement them at the beginning or you do one day dedicated to them a couple times a week. You want to split between, you know, one day you could do this. You could split it between one day you go sagittal. So you do a lot of like the back and forth. You do a lot of like, for example, crunches, leg lifts, you do uh, dead bugs, things like that. And then you also do maybe supermans, glute hip bridges, uh, other things that just involve the front part and the back part of your of your core. The next time or the ne- you know the next day that you're gonna work out or implement abs is you do lateral. So maybe you'll do like a palaf press or maybe you'll do some side planks. Maybe you'll do some side crunches as well to be able to develop some of that lateral, some of those obliques um, that will that will create either to produce force or to be able to stabilize, right? Um, and then finally, you have your rotation. The, th- the third time you're going to do it, you do some sort of rotation, some cable chops. You could do some med ball, you know, uh, rotational movements. And those will actually be able to help you more specifically as you get out of the flight deck. This is mostly for pilots. Uh, for flight attendants, it's... it. I mean, it's it's great either way, but for flight attendants, their jump seat, you can get up and stand up straight to be able to exit the area that you're in. Uh, for pilots, we often have to, you know, be stand up from where we're, where we're sitting on our chair, and then we actually have to rotate our body to get out and sort of like a semi-squat because we can't fully stand up, especially if you're on the 7-3. Um, so we kind of have to have this movement. And if the more we practice this movement, the less chance, you know, sometimes people pull their bags and, you know, now your core is moving one way while your bag with the weight is on the other side and you can pull something or you tweak something. And next thing you know, you're walking all messed up and it kind of sucks. No, it really sucks. So if you implement some of that strengthening on the rotation, that's really going to minimize the risk of you getting some sort of tweak while you're getting out of the flight deck. And it really, really helps, honestly. Um, so that is uh, 
you know, those are some ways you can incorporate that into, into your workouts. You can, uh, you know, I used to do sometimes splits where it used to be, um, that I would focus on doing either lateral sagittal or rotational on specific days that I work out a specific muscle group. So for example, what I mean by that is, well, if my lateral, you know, plane, so my obliques, all these, all these core muscles, local and global that are on the sides, they can help me stabilize while I squat or while I do a deadlift. So I figured, well, if, if I want my trunk to not move side to side, um, I'd rather work on that stability of my laterals. And as I squat down, I can stay in that plane. I know that if I engage my core and I sit back properly, I, my sagittal will be good, but I don't want any of this shifting from side to side of my spine as I'm lowering in a squat with weight and coming back up. And the same thing with a deadlift. I work on my, on my, uh, obliques before I go do some, some squats and some legs. And I find that that actually help, works out really nicely. That's probably the only one that I mainly focus that I will, I will pair up together. Um, and I also kind of don't like doing front abs when I do legs because before I didn't used to do these crunches and these things correctly because I was using a little bit of my hip flexors. When I've understood the proper way on how to not engage your hip flexors and do these crunches, leg lifts, dead bugs, and so forth, then there's no, there's no problem with that. But still, I've, you know, I kind of don't want to over excess that front, that contraction, you know, between my, the front part of my body when I'm going to be doing the same thing on the squat. So I'd rather focus on that lateral. Um, and, and there's, there's something that I want to touch up on that is the, the proper way to not activate your hip flexors during these exercises that you do front and back. And it all comes down to, and this is a, a it's a lot easier explained at the gym or in video actually doing this thing that is that is by talking, but I'll try my best to describe it. So what what essentially deactivates your hip flexors when you're doing uh, either a crunch, leg lift, or, or those sort of exercises is the fact that you if you have an arc on your lower back as you're laying down, your hip flexors are gonna wanna pick up for that asymmetrical muscular imbalance. So your hip flexors will pick up on that so that they can bring your leg up because mostly your your mind is focusing oh damn get these legs up or get these you know get these ribs to the hips you know get that crunch so when we decrease the arc so we actually engage our core we're trying to press like our belly button into the ground and that's what that's going to do it's going to put our spine into a more of a neutral position, especially in your lumbar area. And what you want to do is you want to bring your hands out by your side and relax those shoulders. You're going to kind of want to tuck those shoulders in together to get your thoracic spine in a, in a more neutral place. You're going to want to place your head neutral on the floor, not, not kind of look, not looking at, at where you're going to crunch up, right? You kind of want to look at just kind of at the ceiling and keep like a neutral cervical spine. And then w once you have that position, if you can keep that position throughout the movement of a crunch or a leg leg of a, or a dead bug, you are actually not incorporating your hip flexors. But let's say you try this tomorrow and you have been incorporating your hip flexors all the time 
and don't expect that you're going to <laughs> that you're going to ex execute this movement perfectly just because you just fix those things um you know, while you're laying on your back, you actually, you have to remember, you're actually, you might be tight in some of these areas that that tightness and that lack of range of motion is not going to allow you to reduce that arc on your lower back. So, so while that arc is there, you're going to have to work on different things. That's why it's important to implement so many exercise modalities so that you can actually benefit from each one of those parts for a common, greater, efficient movement. So by stretching out and increasing your range of motion, developing strength, knowing to uh, decrease the arc of your lower back, all those things fall in place for you to be able to execute these exercises with more force, with more stability, and actually your body doesn't have to uh, you know, compensate to get this movement done. Your body actually is using the proper muscles, the proper movement for you to be able to move efficiently through that joint by your muscles. And I think that that's, there's nothing better than that for your body because it doesn't have to, to compensate at all. So some of these uh, exercises that I'll mention, some of them target local muscles, some of them target global I kind of I kind of wrote some of these down, and I'll tell you which ones are more for local and which ones are more for global, um, and then we'll get into the the power uh, exercises here at the at the very last of them. But if you don't know the names the names of these and you haven't seen them before, you can look them up on YouTube. Um, I actually have some of these demonstrated as well throughout my page on Instagram, and I'll be uploading some up to uh, YouTube as well. So everything on Instagram is Fit Aviators Club. YouTube is Fit Aviators Club. And then just kind of type in the name of the exercise, and I may have it, I may not. But uh, if you don't, look it up somewhere else on YouTube, and uh, you'll be able to see how this exercise is done. Now, sometimes the person that you might see on YouTube may not be demonstrating it correctly, but you know, at least you see what the movement looks like. And by what you heard today about, you know, lowering that arc, kind of like decreasing that arc on your lower back, more neutral thoracic, more neutral cervical spine. If you can see that movement and remember that, you can kind of implement that kind of on your own. And it'll be, you know, it's a lot easier said than done because it does take a lot of practice. It did take me a lot of practice. And now it's su it's subconscious. Every time that I'm going to do a core, exercise, I know that that's how I'm going to have my spine um, in its neutral position. So here are some of the, here are some of the exercises. We have, uh, uh, we have marches, and those are going to target your local muscles. We have the bird dog, the dead bug. Uh, those are going to target your local muscles as well. And we also have, I have it as part of a, a kneeling hip series where I do a couple different movements with my legs to kind of strengthen and open the range of motion in my hips, but more specifically is the fire hydrants. I like those specifically because they actually target um, a little bit of the glute medius, which is a, a glute muscle that is often overlooked and is very easy to not exercise. And if that glute medius gets weak, it can actually cause a lot of imbalances in our hips to give us a little bit of lower back pain. So I think those fire hydrants are really, really good, especially if you incorporate them as an activation at the beginning of your exercises. Definitely the planks. The planks do target a little bit of both, global and local. A ball bridge and a ball cobra, those are great, excellent exercises. I actually have some of those up in my on my Instagram, and I'm going to try to see if I can demonstrate them here on this video as well. Um, but I think that these are fantastic 
specifically for targeting both local and global, but I think it targets a little bit of more of that local because you're holding and you're getting that muscular endurance in this type of exercising, which I think is great. You can do the ball bridges and the ball cobras in two different ways. You can have it as a repetition or you can have it as an isometric hold. It all, they, they create different results, similar, but a little bit different. So it's, it's really up to you and depending on the program that you, the programming that you have and what you're trying to achieve. The, um, the pal of press, which is a really great exercise as well, I think targets a lot of the local, uh, sorry, global muscles. I, this is one specifically that I like to use when I'm going to do a squat. Um, because how, how we talked about before to not let that trunk shift from side to side back extensions. I think these are great. Remember part of the working out your lower back. is also part of your core and it all helps stabilize and put that hip into a neutral position, um, crunches. And then, uh, as we mentioned before on the proper way to do that, cable rotations are great for rotational exercises. We can actually take these cable rotations from a high to low. You can go from a middle, you know, a middle angle, and you can go from a low to high angle. And they're all going to target different areas of your core. The way those muscle fibers kind of go in that rotation, I would recommend to try to hit all three. If you could do a cable chop from high to low, if you could do a cable chop in the middle, or not a cable chop, but like a rotation twist and getting that cable across, and then a low to high, which is great, actually works out a little bit more of your of your back in that ro rotational way that your muscle fibers are going. And I think it's, I think it's very, very beneficial to get that cable rotation. You do landmine rotations too. That one's actually going to be a little bit harder. You can load it up a little bit with more weight and actually create a little bit more force. So you could do that as a stable, uh, a stability workout, or you could do that as a power workout, which is great. You could, you could actually do power workouts with either, either one. Um, but you know, an another one that you could, that you could use is the the med ball. The med ball is a great tool to be able to execute power throughout this range of motion, especially with your core. You can do med ball in all sagittal planes, lateral, rotational, and sagittal. Some of these exercises could be like med ball throws. You can slam them against a wall, or you can do med ball throws against the floor. Those I would recommend to watch some, you know, it's specifically done. And I would also recommend that you try these power ones after you've gone through a pretty good stability routine of your core. If you try to do these power exercises with with your core and your local muscles are not that stable, you have a higher chance of probably kind of maybe doing a wrong movement and tweaking something. So I really recommend doing that um, after you've done some stability work. So we got med ball throws, med ball slams against the floor. We got med ball rotation, which you could do from side to side. You got med ball oblique throws, and then that's that's pretty much kind of what I wrote down. But there's there's a whole lot more med ball exercises that you could do as well. Just make sure that when you do them, you're activating your core. And what I mean by that is that you're kind of like bringing your, you're kind of squeezing your glutes a little bit, bringing your hips in, tucking in that navel, tucking in a little bit of that that belly button to the spine. And then from there, execute the movement, right? Now your core is engaged to be able to have movement efficiency as you're throwing this ball, as you're, you know, slamming this against the wall. If you're slamming it against the floor, throwing it at your side, you know, trying to throw it for a distance as well. It gets fun because when you get tired of doing dead bugs all the time, 
and like crunches and whatever, you're probably be like, oh, damn, well, like I, I hate doing this because it's the same thing. Well, try something with power. Try something with power. And you're going to see like how that's going to challenge you and it's going to get you wanting for more. But then, you know, you're going to have to come back to those stability ones from time to time. Make sure that you get because a lot of that power doesn't really target that much of those local muscles. So you kind of want to always go through the go through phases in your workout programs where you target power, strength, stability, and you go back and forth. So that's that's pretty much what I I highly recommend of the the principles of core strengthening, why it's important to to work out on your core. Um, I really hope that you got a better understanding of the importance of your core and how you can implement it in your in your exercise routines. You know, some of these exercises, they may not be your favorite. They may not be the ones, but out of that list, there's a lot more. And you can come up with ones that you may end up really, truly liking. Um, just make sure you're going through those phases where you target local, global, in all different planes of, of, of your body, in different directions. And you're going to notice a, a huge difference in the way you just even walk. So, you know, something that you do every day that you can notice a difference on, I think it's very, very valuable to have that as a higher priority um, as part of your, your routine in, in exercising. So thank you so much for watching. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Fade Aviators Club, also www.fadeaviatorsclub.com to check out more exercise tips, meal prepping tips, articles that I've written, things that will really help a lot of people here in aviation to have a, a healthier lifestyle and, and be able to enjoy a good balance between having fun and living healthy. And that is it. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you have a great day and happy holidays. Switch.